Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Power Your Life Radio Show with host and success doc Joanne White. Author, speaker, certified coach, and energy master, Doc White gets to the heart of what matters most. She features guests and experts to help you consciously create more success, health, and wellness in every area of your life, work, and relationships. They'll share their success stories, wisdom, and know-how to help you shine more light onto your day and into your life. Power your life right now. Here's Joanne White. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us on Power Your Life, and I'm Joanne White, and it's always a pleasure to be here, sending out warm hugs to everybody. Make sure you're warm, and happy World Kindness Day. Speaking of World Kindness Day, it's so important that we share our kindness, and I'm posting stuff like that all day long because kindness really helps to change ourselves, other people, and hopefully can help to transform our world. Now, oftentimes we have some plans, and as you know, and as you probably experienced firsthand, many of us, life has a way of shifting those plans, and oftentimes that can lead to confusion and and not feeling good about it, and yet it can also lead us to tremendous openings, to new ways of being, to new life passages. And we have today a very special person, a friend of mine, Rachel Beck, who has a beautiful story, and it's such a perfect day to hear her story. When life changed her plans, what happened to her, and how that can help you as well. And I'm talking about Rachel Beck, and she was born an orphan in a remote village in India, and she's also an author, and her pen name is V. Lakshima. And it's so important to know that we have the ability to shift things. She was adopted and raised by a white Jewish family in America, and the mysterious death of her biological mother foreshadows a lot of what she endured in terms of female health issues throughout her life, including a 20-year battle with endometriosis, infertility, failed adoption, and so much more. Her cross cultural adoption love story, and truly it is a love story, actually flies in the face of society's expectations for women to look and be and perform a certain way and slip comfortably into the American dream. Her teaching memoir, Finding Your Way, When Life Changes Your Plans, offers all of us, not just women, all of us, inspiring perspectives to women, to adoptive parents, adoptees, with its really frank discussions of emotions surrounding all the sides of adoption, encounters with racism, her path to a loss of motherhood, and her courageous rebirth, illustrating how the end of one road is oftentimes the beginning of another, and how the unforeseen 
can also be beautiful and perhaps more fulfilling than any that we could ever have imagined. Wow. Hello, Rachel Beck. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction. I'm humbled. My pleasure. And <laughs> you know, it, it, it it's really interesting because you have an experience coming into the United States and and offering a, a true perspective of somebody that actually experienced a lot of challenges with that. So let's talk a little bit about the beginning of your journey and, and what you experienced coming here into America. Well, I came to America when I was 11 months old, um, but my parents have two biological children, and they decided that for their third child, they wanted to adopt, so they started the process in the 70s, and they both found out about me on the same day from two different people, so they very they very much feel that it was meant to be, um, so I started my journey in New Jersey. That was my first home, and I grew up on the East Coast. Um, I attended Jewish private school from kindergarten through sixth grade, then made the transition into public school, and then lived in Florida, then lived in Missouri for many, many years, and now I'm in Iowa. So rather than go through the different places, in terms of – the kinds of experiences, like you talked about racism and, and what you experienced, well, even though you came in here early, so you, you know, early as, a, as an early baby, so you were kind of indoctrinated in, in the culture very early on. Did you, what did you experience that, that sort of set you apart from other people? I would would say for me, being a brown person in a white family had a lot of questions. Um, And still to this day when I'm with my mother, people ask what our relationship is. So for a huge part of my life, and, and still very much today, I struggle with identity and learning how to fit in, even though I was welcomed into my family by my mom and dad. Um, I felt very comfortable. I had to learn. I felt comfortable with them. But I also, I needed to learn more about my heritage, where it came from. Judaism was something that was brought to me through my family, because that's what the religion, their religion is. So that's something that became my religion, which I love. And as I've gotten older... I would say since about 2012, I really started exploring my culture, my heritage, like really connecting with it. And it's filled in a lot of pieces for me. You know, do you have any connections in India, any relatives or any people that that you know of that you're close with at this time in your life? I do, and that's truly a blessing. I went back the first time in 2013 to the orphanage, um, and I stay there, and then I go. I went back in 2015, and it has been a life-changing experience for me. Just being with the children, learning about my culture, cooking in the uh, in the kitchen, 
learning all the Indian food, dancing with them, singing with them, really like putting my feet on the ground when the plane landed, I felt home. You know, I, I, I felt home just like I feel home here. You know, it's wonderful that you can feel that way, Rachel, about two places. I think that's that's special and that's a gift that not everybody really experiences. So so that's wonderful. I wanna shift gears a little bit. I'm so excited about your book too, because you offer a perspective because you were adopted and what that's like and and it it actually isn't just for people who are adopting adoptees or whatever. It it really transcends all that. So let's talk a little bit about why you wrote the book and what what you feel is the important aspects of it. My goal with the book was actually the idea of the book was given to me by a friend who felt that she she's like Rachel, you have a very important story, and she had been with me in India. And I thought about it, and I ended up sitting down and writing like five hours a day, and it just started coming out of me. So I knew it was meant to be. And my ultimate goal is to inspire people, to motivate them. I've battled a lot of things in my life, and if they walk away with the message that you can get up, you can do it again, keep going, then I reach my goal. That's my ultimate goal. And, you know, that's an important goal and an important message because we all have challenges, large or small, and many of us do not (laughs) present those challenges to the world, and yet we have them. And it's so important to know that whatever challenge we are met with, we have the fortitude, the strength, and the ability to persevere. So that's a beautiful message in and of itself. So... You in your book you talk about your you know your life too and and what you went through. Can you talk a little bit about some of the struggles and what that was like? Because you didn't know a lot about your DNA or whatever um, as you as you got older because of your adoption. So tell us what you will, and we'll move on. Okay, so for the DNA for me has been a big mystery. Um, And that's something I've always wanted to connect with biological members. Um, I don't know the whereabouts of my biological father. I don't know if he's alive and I'm in process of trying to find him. I did do 23andMe to get last year to to see if I have family members. Um, And I have found some that are like eight cousins out. So that's been amazing to connect with them. And that, that just, just getting the DNA results and it was validated that I'm real, that I came from something. Because I've always felt kind of suspended. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm thinking ter- also in terms of like oftentimes it, we have family challenges or whatever that that our families face and sometimes a doctor will say to you here at least you know what's your family's history what did you know what did your mother have what did your father have like my father had had some heart issues and heart conditions that that 
I have to bring up when I'm, you know, when I'm with my my doctor. So you not knowing all that also had challenges that may or may not be directly related to your heritage and your DNA. And you share that and you share your struggles. And, again, what you said earlier is beautiful, like being able to survive and thrive after all of that. So can you share some of that with us? Sure, absolutely. Um, I battled, I was diagnosed with endometriosis in 1997, and I battled that on and off, multiple surgeries, many, many surgeries for it. Um, And I've also battled infertility. Um, I was pregnant, lost a child. And obviously my journey with endometriosis is different. Everybody's journey is different. I'm just sharing my personal experience. But we we battled infertility, then miraculously got pregnant, and then it was devastating to lose that child. Um, I was so so that in itself, infertility is such a deep emotional process for the couple, any couples, and it's a it's a very public process because you're working, you know, with teams, right? Team is doctors, nurses, which takes, you're sharing, you know, you're sharing your whole body with the team. So that changed. And then when I had the failed adoption, um, there came a point, you know, where we just decided to move forward. And we realized now that that journey wasn't us being parents. That's not our journey. And that's okay. You know, years later, I can say that. Um, I had a very healing moment in India. I was walking from one school to another school. And this woman said to me, you know, Rachel, are you married? I said, yes. And she said, do you have children? I said, no, explaining biologically, I can't do that. And she stopped and she froze and she said, Rachel, you do have children. I said, what are you talking about? And she said, you have all the kids at the orphanage. And that moment was so healing for me. She said, you're part of them. You come from here. And you carry them in your heart because they will carry you in your heart. That moment was so healing. You know, that is beautiful. And in a way, she was so right. And, you know, I don't. I have a feeling you're not done with that orphanage by, by any means. And so you will continue to bring love and support there. And I think that's something important. Like I don't have children, but I've worked with children and families and I and I appreciate children's beautiful minds and their creativity and their their love of adventure and and newness and and everything that they can offer us that we really can learn from. And and so I feel too that that I have children even, you know, so I think that's something beautiful to carry on in terms of your heritage, in terms of family and children, because that makes what you do even more beautiful and more important because you're sharing with, with so many more people and so many more children. So, And I carry them. I carry them in my heart every single day. They are my motivation. They're the reason why I do everything. Which is beautiful. So finding your way, how did you find your way? What is your way today after the 
health challenges that you had after the failed adoption, what is the way for Rachel Beck? I'm, you know what, honestly, Joanne, I used to be this person who had, like, all these expectations of what my life should be, and now I've let it go (laughs) completely, and for some reason, that works for me, so now I'm going with the flow, I'm embracing whatever comes my way, and I'm, I'm following what my soul is telling me to do. That's Good. So tell us what. The, so share with us some of what your soul is is telling you to do. I think that's wonderful. Um, my soul is telling me to keep working for the kids at the orphanage. Um, I've done a fun re- like the first trip I came home. I had wanted to do something, and so I, I planned and I did a fundraiser for them. This time around, I'm taking part of the proceeds of the book, and it's going back to the orphanage. Like, I've just figured out, I get up, and I'm like, what else could I do to help? So I go in, and I speak places, and, and I trust my soul. I have many topics that I'm very, very passionate about, and I follow those topics, too. Those are really important to me. You know, that that that's beautiful. Now... Why, I have a question about why did you not use Rachel Beck as the author of the book? Why did you create another name, or or where did that name come from? That is actually my birth name, and I wanted to honor where I came from. That was the name I had when I was in India until I was adopted, and I felt it was really important to me. Because that's where the whole story began. That's why I ended up using it. I love it. And how did your your parents feel about the book about adoption and about you and 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 using that name? How how do they feel about everything that you've been doing with respect to that? You know, they've been behind me a hundred and fifty percent. The whole step. They know that my that my adoption emotion, my adoption wants and needs are separate from them, but they've been behind me every step of the way. And we'll talk, and my mom did the most amazing thing. When I was young, you know, she basically said to me, anytime you have questions about your adoption, please come to us. We would love to be able to help you. And they're behind me. Whatever I want to do, they know that in my mind, I have my family that I grew up with that adopted me, but they also know I'm looking for my biological family, and they're okay. And they're okay. Oh, that you know that's wonderful because oftentimes there can be some concern or jealousy or da 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 whatever associated with that. And it sounds like you have parents that understand what you are going through that get you that love you and support you and that is a beautiful thing totally beautiful thing and and uh in a way that's a gift i don't take it for granted. even people that 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 have biological parents oftentimes don't have that that gift of love and and re- support and respect so that's a blessing. I'm glad that you do because you are a blessing too. So tell us about 
the whole challenge with adoption and and um trying to be adoptive parents and all of that because you talk about that in in your memoir. So share that with our listeners too, Rachel. Um so we had decided to adopt. We got matched. Um you know, jumped on the plane. This all happened within a 24-hour period too. Um, you know, we had built the nursery, had the baby shower. Um, this is we you went, and your husband, right? Yeah. We went, we met her, fell in love with her, and then it all fell apart. Um, and we ended up losing her. And now I can say that I believe that her, the journey of that child is meant to be where she's at. It was meant to be. Just like I'm supposed to be with my parent, you know, my parents now, it was meant to be. But it was it was very, very traumatic. It was difficult. It brought up the grief because I had lost the biological child. Now the adoption felt it was like losing another child all over again, even though not she's okay. So it was a matter, a conscious choice to get back up again. And it's a lot like when you go home and you still have the nursery, we had to close the door, we didn't go in there for a month. And then I ended up opening the door. I donated everything to women's shelter and gave all the furniture to good friends of ours. And it just, it, it was like, okay, guess what? You got to do this again. Get up and keep going. And, then, and, and it was, it, I remember those moments, Joanne, making that choice. And it doesn't mean to say that I didn't have moments of tears being on the couch. I had those moments, too. You know, it's so important, Rachel, because I think that those moments are are deep and and can be life-changing. And, you know, we have a choice when those moments happen. We can just continue to stay in the pain. And, and there is pain in, in shifting and in learning and, and in whatever kinds of challenges we're facing. And, and that choice is to stay there, to stay stuck in the pain or to allow it to move us forward and shift us in a different way, which you which you seem to have done so beautifully. And it's not always easy to do, but when we do, there's something, and you say this all the time with, with what you, your words and what you've done with the book and, and your intention, something incredibly life-affirming and supportive with that. Um, I know from firsthand experience that that some of the pain and challenges that I've gone through have shifted me, even even a career, and and in so many ways that you know that shifted me and that led me on a course or courses that that where I was meant to be, where I felt like yeah, this is where um, I could be utilized most. So I think. Your ability to like go through the pain, the tears, and be able to get back up truly speaks to your courage and your ability, again, not just to survive, but to thrive. And that's important. So, what have you learned from all of the pain? Well, one, I had to learn to, like, really come in touch with my emotions. And I worked with a really wonderful, you know, therapist through it because after the adoption, I developed PTSD. Um, I learned 
there were certain things that I needed from it, like hiking every day has been very healing for me. I do artwork that if I wasn't doing something creative to push the motions and not every day is wonderful. Not every day is rainbows. You know, I wish it was, but I'm always honest with you. <laughs> for my friend, you know, I have moments. I have moments. And instead of doing my best to not push all the grief down, if it comes up, it comes up. And I'm, I just allow myself to feel it. You know, that's that's so important, too, because oftentimes people are not comfortable with their emotions. And, you know, I work with people who try to, to hide them or don't know what to do with them. And it, it, it's important to be able to, number one, like you say, experience, know what you're feeling, experience it, even if you're experiencing the pain. But then, and this is this is what I say, don't dwell in it. Don't like stay in it and 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 let it so overpower you that the pain is stronger than you are. Because trust me, and you know this firsthand, it's not true. And you've learned that. And so, yeah, you know, even through those moments of of pain, you were able to recognize what you were experiencing and found ways, like creative ways, like the, the, the art. And, and, and to me, even walking, I, call, I do power walking and I get messages. And I think that's also a beautiful way of dealing, handling the, the, you know, the pain and whatever you're going through. And it's incredibly healing and, and important because to not recognize the pain, like, okay, I'm, I don't have pain, but, but I'm going to take it out on you, even though I don't know that's what I'm doing or whatever. And you know what I'm talking about. I mean, that's yeah. not the best way to handle our pain. And it seems like, you intuitively understood that. Well, you said you work with people too, but you, you, you got, you know, you, you have it. You got that message to be able to utilize that pain to create so many beautiful things, like what you've done with this book, and also what you're doing in India and in that orphanage and with those children and with the people. I mean, to me, that's taking the pain and massaging it in such a way that you're creating beauty from it and and from that beauty you're helping more people and wow what a gift not just a gift to you but a gift Rachel to so many people through enduring and going through that pain and like you say so beautifully being able to come out on the other side of it and that's the whole thing, like uh, um, getting to the other side in itself was huge, you know, just getting to that, just making through that other side. But all those key moments, I remember just, okay, you have a choice now. You can go one way or the other. What do you want to do? And I actually can see, you know, those moments in my memory. And I felt like there's a reason why. I don't know what it is. A rabbi just asked me that. He's like, do you think the book is the reason why you went through everything? I said, I don't know. He's like, I'm going to ask you in a year. But now, like, I'll get an email or I'll talk to somebody who said, you know, this, this really helped me because I adopted children. And I speak from an adoptee's, you know, perspective. 
So I'm starting to see that I might know in like a year. But the whole thing is, if one, if anything that I talk about, if it helps one person, I'll be happy, Jillian. I really will. You know, I think that that's one of the reasons, the book, but I think it's much bigger than that. So, you know, I don't think it's just limited to the book. And who's to say that that's your last book? I doubt it. <laughs> Actually, that's I'm, my I'm intuitive sense. The second one. Yeah. See, I knew, my, I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> I am yeah, I'm writing my second one. And the reason why I'm doing that is because it's been healing for me. I also am writing on a a very, very deep level and I'm diving further. That's my yeah. Do you want to so, share what you're writing with? You don't have to. You can sure, wait to sure. share it. Um, Okay, good. Um, I so some of the stuff like so people who have been reading the book, like I started writing the book, um, will email or reach out to my publisher and say, Oh, I would love to hear more. I read the first book. I would love to hear more about the following. And they'll say, I'd love to hear more about the stories, what goes on when I'm in India. You know, things like that. So they've given me different ideas and they keep them on a legal pad. So it's interesting to get that feedback and then I've also just said, okay, this is what I want to talk about. This is what I believe is in my heart and soul with the goal of helping people. So I'm just like letting it all go through the keyboard. Does that make sense? Well, it makes sense to me because when I write, and I'm a, I'm a writer mm. and an author, I, it, it's incredibly guided and it comes from a very pot, very strong powerful soul place and yeah it's it's like opening your heart and and sharing your heart and and your deepest thoughts and feelings with other people and also with yourself and so to me yeah that's that, that's that's beautiful and so important to do um and again it's also a creative outlet for you too so and and as well as for me and for many people who who do write that's not the only creative outlet you like you said you use you can use art as well so i guess i want to you know i still see you doing more with that orphanage and i think that story of the that and again it's you, you know the one that you're writing or that you will write about about your about the orphanage and your experience and what you do there i think that's that's a beautiful gift in of itself to offer people um and it's almost like a full circle because you, you know if you've you've expressed it too to be able to go back to your beginnings and not everybody can do this but to be able to go back to your beginnings and to enrich other people at that place where you be sort of began is a beautiful blessing again not just for you but 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 for all those people there as well as for other people who can get a sense and glimpse and an understanding of it so that's very beautiful and a bird just flew I'm very connected to symbols <laughs> so there's one I just felt I feel like the first morning when I woke up you know obviously it was real jet lag because it's a very long flight in India 
But I got up, went in, like, grabbed some Thai tea. I smelled, you know, I took a deep breath. could smell the Indian spices in the kitchen. Started meeting people. It felt, I kind of, my feet were on the ground for the first time in my life. That's the only way to describe it. Because I'm, like, I, I feel that way when I'm in America. But I had long, so long, I had wanted to go there for so long that I almost had to stand for a second to make sure that the dream I had had became a reality. You know, it also says something, and I, I understand that, but it also says something that that within us, there's that knowing and that, that understanding, that um feeling of where we began even if we were very young or we didn't know it there's something about that that's within us i can't i don't know how to explain it but that but that's sort of what you you were living through that that sense of familiarity that we don't understand how how because we you know you were you were young when you left it and yet the feeling the smells the the, the you know what you embrace the familiarity of it all is still very much a part of of who you are and, and an important part of who you are. It's huge. Like I climbed you know part of a mountain with the kids. I would you know wander the streets, meet people, take a lot of photos, um, and just have the experience. Also, I'll be honest with you, it was the first time in my life where I was a majority versus being a minority. So that was a very different experience for me to, like, sit at a table and everybody's Indian. Or to walk down the street. That, That was the first time I had ever experienced that. And that's huge. It really is. And it was, it you know, was, you you yeah. you also mentioned that here you experienced, you know, like racism and and people trying to figure out, well, what's your connection to your parents? I mean, you know, you look different from them, <laughs> right? And and that can be challenging. It's challenging. Like I've I've come across um, anti-Semitism a lot um, for a long time. You, and facing the racism, right? Because it is different being an Indian, Jewish, American woman. So that, and that's something too that is I've, I've gotten older. I've finally come into a place where it's like, this is who I am. And it took me so long to embrace that joint, like so long. And I would say in like my 40s, because I'm in my mid 40s, 35 to 40. I finally accepted, like, this is who I am. And I, I don't need to apologize for who I am anymore. And that Bravo. Was that was a big... Yeah, you know, I think that, that, that people, not only you, but you've had a different kind of experience and a more challenging one. But I think that many people and many young adults struggle with who am I and, you know, I have the values and whatever from my parents and my heritage, but who am I? Where, you know, what what makes me different? What makes me who I am today with that, in spite of that, and because of that, and, and also because of something else that's within me that may not have been within my background. So that's beautifully important. 
Rachel, tell everyone how they could get a hold of this beautiful book, Finding Your Way When Life Changes Your Plans, how they could find out more about you and connect with you and with all the wonderful stuff that you're doing. Um, The book's available on Amazon, um, and there will also be a link to my publisher. If you once you put in the title of the book, it will come up through through Amazon. And the big thing for me is like I'm gonna hit. I have a financial goal in mind, and it's not about money for me. And this is what I've explained to people because I'm taking a percentage of the book and donating from me back to the orphanage of the sales. And that was something I was typing the book and I said, what can I, how can I give this back to the orphanage? I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to donate part of the proceeds. So my goal is every year I call them because I'm involved with the organization and send them another check. Wonderful. And I think that's such a beautiful way to be, and and I think giving back is is something so important, not just for you, but for all of us. So so you found an incredibly special way to do that. Thank you for that. So what do you want to leave our listeners with, Rachel? We have a couple more minutes, and what do you sure. want them to say? I want them to know that no matter what comes their way that they have the inner strength to pull themselves back up. I didn't think I had it. I'm not somebody with the highest self-esteem, you know. Um, but I learned through every single challenge, there was a core inner strength that I had never tapped into. And to also for me, having the support system of my family and friends, so having a positive support system was very, very crucial for me, and I only surround myself with positive people. That's, that's, that has helped me a lot. And to be forgiving of yourself. Not every day is going to be wonderful, but if 99 of the days are, and you have one day that isn't, it's okay. Get up and start all over again. It's a brand new day, and that's the beauty of it. And to not quit. I love it, and that's my philosophy, too, despite the challenges that that I've been through. And I think it's so important to be able to have that optimism and to be able to share it the way you do, Rachel Beck, so very beautifully. So thank you for all that you do, for sharing with our listeners how to be able to get through whatever challenges they have and you have been able to share that because of your incredible firsthand experiences. So thank you, and have a beautiful, blessed day. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. Take care, Rachel. Thanks again. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. So think about what Rachel said, because we do have so many situations and experiences that we really don't anticipate or don't know are coming our way and how we deal with them or handle them, what comes out of them, how we view them and ourselves 
is so very, very important into and and helps us move forward or or stay stuck or whatever. And Rachel Beck's philosophy is a beautiful one to be able to know, even though you don't recognize it at first, know and be able to tap into, as as Rachel so beautifully said, your own inner strength. And I believe without a doubt that we have that because I've I've experienced that firsthand. Um, many, many times throughout my lifetime. And Rachel talks about that and shares with us her incredible challenges and experiences that she's had, not only in terms of the adoption and and, and racism and, and, and having to deal with differences, but also the trials and tribulations of trying to be pregnant and and and, and losing a child and also having a loss through adoption can be devastating to so many. But again, the choice is, as Rachel so beautifully says, and also mastered to be able to pick yourself up, to dust off the pain and the challenges and the hurts, and to feel that strength and to move forward. So that's what I want you to do today. Power your life in some way, some small way. Take a step to kind of affirm your life and who you are. And even if it's a cold and cloudy day, find a way to experience a little bit of sunshine. Thanks so much for joining us. And if you want to get a hold of me, I'll give you the short version. You can go to docwhite.org, find out more about upcoming shows, blogs, and so much more. Thank you so much for joining us and move forward wherever you are. You've been listening to the Power Your Life radio show with host and author, Dr. Joanne White. Listen often and spread the word about the upbeat show to enrich you and grow your life in the direction you desire. Listen again and again and visit docwhite.org for more information and find out how Dr. Joanne can benefit you. Thank you for sharing your day with us and stay tuned for more exciting guests and events to come. 